Welcome to the Hypnosis NGH podcast. This podcast series offers a fun and serious look at hypnosis and offers various ideas, discuss case studies, along with NGH educational opportunities. Welcome to the Hypnosis NGH podcast. I'm Eric Damon from the National Guild of Hypnotists. Today's guest is NGH board certified, Order of Braid recipient, instructor and founder of Hypno Consult in Virginia. Please welcome Tim Horn. Well, okay. hi there. I'm doing well. Let's just take a moment while they applaud. <laughs> okay, that's right. Okay, that's probably enough time. That's good. <laughs> Looks like a standing ovation to me. I don't know. That's now, Tim, um, one thing I didn't know, you're from Prince William County in Virginia. Huh? And yes. I pretend it sounds like I know where that is and what it is, but I don't. Um, I didn't say the town you're in because I was like, how do you pronounce this? It's Noakesville, Virginia. Noakesville, Virginia. It's about 40 miles uh, west of Washington, D.C. We like to say that Washington, D.C. is a suburb of Noakesville. Is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? <laughs> oh no, I, we, I like it. My wife, uh, my wife and I are both from kind of rural communities. I was raised in upstate New York, just outside Syracuse, and farm community. And my wife was raised north of uh, New York City in open space too. So Noakesville is the same way: small communities, good people, farm folk. We like Excellent. it. Excellent. Excellent. So uh, you've been chosen to present it and teach at this year's. Uh, NGH convention in August. Uh, congratulations on that. Well, thank you very much. It's my 30th year with the NGH. 30 years, huh? It's my now, 30th anniversary being certified. Yep. Well, happy anniversary. Thank you. <laughs> what we're interested to hear about you and your hypnosis practice uh, that you have in Virginia. Okay, well, uh, primarily, um, Hypnoconsole, we have, we have a motto, it's hypnosis for happiness. Whenever you have a client come in, they're really only coming in for one reason. There's some aspect of their life that doesn't allow them to get to be happy. I have clients who are dealing with grief, clients who want to quit smoking, clients who want to quit drinking, release weight, get rid of stress, all the rest of those things. And the reason is they want their lives to be happier and more congruent with moving forward to something positive. The first thing I ask my clients to do is put themselves first and to have that kind of selfishness because you'd never hurt the most important person in your own life. So if you make yourself the most important person, it ends up eliminating a lot of the natural sabotage people have in their lives. That's true. That's yeah. True. Yeah. Now, so what attracted you to become a hypnotist? I saw that you were a public school teacher. Mm -hmm. Now, was that high school, grade school? Actually, I've taught from, uh, from middle school all the way up to, uh, to college. Oh. Uh, yeah, but primarily uh, uh, middle school and high school. I like those kids at that age. When I was 23, 24 years old, um, I woke up one day and I had a, a panic attack. I felt as if I was having a heart attack. This is when I was uh, much thinner, healthy, all the rest of that. There was no reason to have this feeling as if I was having a heart attack. 
but the stress had built up, hadn't been dealt with. So I took a self-hypnosis class. Uh, within two weeks, the panic attacks had disappeared and began to understand the power of the subconscious mind. And I decided to become a, a hypnotist at that point. I overlapped things. <laughs> I overlapped things because uh, I love teaching. One of the good things about the NGH is uh, I'm certified to make other people hypnotists and teach some uh, advanced techniques as well. Um, teaching kids was always important to me because the teachers I had as I was, as I was growing up, some were very good and some were not. So I could take my experiences from the good and bad and, and apply them to helping students, you know, really enjoy learning more. Right. Right. So that and, and that transition is has worked well for you in getting out of the public school. Yeah. Yeah, actually, it has. Um, when I was teaching. The problem with students when they go to school is they frequently are afraid of making mistakes, you know? And if you're afraid of making mistakes, you won't do anything. The only people who don't make mistakes are people who do nothing. So when I was teaching, I always asked, I was never concerned whether my students got something right or wrong. I was always more concerned with understanding why they got something wrong. What was the reasoning to get there? If you can allow their reasoning and their logic to be aligned, and you give them a passion for learning, you know, you can really change their entire lives. And you do that a little bit with hypnosis, not necessarily, you know, <laughs> direct drive hypnosis, but through language and things like that. So you said they overlapped a little bit. So while you were teaching, you also... Oh yeah, there are many times I take, uh, I go to a solid gold conference, either teaching or, or taking classes, or I, I'd uh, miss uh, training in August so I could go to the convention. You know, but the thing is, I think those uh, those things uh, they meshed well together. You know, right? Absolutely. So is that why, obviously, from being a, a public school teacher, that you? You obviously, you know, I was going to ask you what attracts you to teaching other hypnotists, but it's in your blood to teach anyways. <laughs> I, I think it is. Yeah. But you, we don't exist as human beings, except in the perception other people have of us. Um, I don't, my wife and I don't have children. We have dogs, cats, um, horses, and a groundhog who keeps visiting. You know, my effect in the world is how I help the kids that I, that I interact with, how I teach them. And that's going to be my legacy, you know? Right. So, yeah. And when I, if I can enable someone as a hypnotist to go and improve someone else's life, that means that I've, you know, I, I've done something that's going to make uh, the world a little bit better. And I like that. No, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. So, um. I understand you do speaking engagements and you've done some writing. Have you, is there a book there that you've written? Yeah, I wrote a book called Skies Wide Open, how to turn your child essentially into a lifelong learner and love learning. Um, we do, we do a few things in life. We either run toward what we want or away from what we're afraid of. 
Um, if children begin to love learning, if there is one thing I could teach a child, it would be to love learning, love reading. Because if they're able to open up a book and understand it and apply it, they have the entire universe open to them. To have that, you know, that ability to question and look for your own answers is something that's vital. And sometimes I think that's kind of missing. Um, the first lesson I give my students when I went to class was I'd, I'd show them a light bulb. And I'd ask them, if you knew absolutely everything about this light bulb, everything even tangentially related, what would you know? And they'll say, well, how bright it is. What's the metal that's used? And they get the superficial things. But it's when you can go deeper and really ask the important questions. If you understand a light bulb, you understand optics, you understand energy, you understand the difference in light bulbs and how that affected fire departments because you didn't have to have open flames. You understood how people could study later into the night. You understand all those different things. You understand metallurgy, you understand vacuums. If you understand one thing fully and you have a passion for it, you have the entire universe in front of you. So feed the passion that children have and allow it to be directed in something. That's something I think is vitally important and missing in school today. Oh, yeah, I would say it's definitely missing. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I have a, you know, a friend that's a, a, a para at school. Ah. And she, she talks about how, you know, there's just so much that she wishes she could do because, they, you know, kids, kids need direction and that type of thing. And. Yeah. And, and that makes sense to me as you said that. Well, this is the thing, Eric. I'm going to ask you a, a question. Um, who is the 13th president of the United States? Some guy. It was a guy. Congratulations. <laughs> not a woman. You've eliminated. Now, this is the whole point. Eric, you're a smart guy. I know you're smart. I know you're educated. Does knowing a fact show you're educated? No. The ability to reason, the ability to find information, have a passion for it. That's what creates education. So that's true. No, so who was the 13th president? Millard Fillmore. Yeah. He I, took I, over I, after Zachary Taylor died in office in 18. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> but that's true. I mean, I just happen to know that. Well, I was I, I know the name. I just didn't know where he was in the lineup, as it were. <laughs> so let me ask you this for our podcast listeners. So in Virginia, what else besides hypnosis, what else does do you do either it be hobby wise? I mean, obviously you have horses. Do you ride or? No, what I've done is mastered falling off horses exceptionally well. I've mastered landing without hurting myself very well. That's an important uh, thing. That's an important thing. Actually, one of the things I do is I, uh, my wife and I, we do have animals. Um, and one of the, uh, the animals we have is an Estrella mountain dog, my little Estrella mountain dog. Yeah, exactly. She's, um, Estrella mountain dogs are a flock guarding dog from Portugal and they're not a lot in the United States. Uh, when night and the year 2000, my wife and I went to Portugal. We found the breed. I really liked them, and I decided to get one eventually. So now uh, I'm going to start breeding my Estrella Mountain Dog and taking her to shows and doing things like that. A large dog, a seventy. Dog. She's about 78, 79 pounds, so she's good oh. size. Yeah, she's a little bit too big to be a lap dog, although she doesn't understand that quite yet. 
That's, that's what makes them fun is that they try to be a lap dog when they're really not. It is, you know, and uh, dogs, people who have dogs and cats as they get older, I'm not that old, but as they get older, their life expectancy increases because they have something to focus on that give them a purpose in life, even as they get older. So I'm very much in favor of people having animals and pets. I have a cat. That's, That's all I got. <laughs> That's enough. That's enough. Used to be German Shepherds, but uh, oh, wow. I like to travel a little bit, so I have to travel a little bit. So yeah. cats yeah. are easier to take care of when you're not there. <laughs> Much easier. And because my wife and I have uh, horses, uh, we also have, I have a little bit of property, so I have to keep the, the upkeep on the land down, you know, the, the pastures cut down and all that sort of thing. Yep. So, so I knew there was another side to you that, you know, everyone does have one, right? Absolutely. You want to be a whole person, not just one single aspect of your life. So uh, now 30 years, you said you've, you've been in mm -hmm. hypnosis and yes. part of the guild for the 30 years or? Yes, I've been a member of the guild. I was trained by uh, Bert Goldman in 1993 to be a hypnotist with the National Guild. And uh, yeah, I, I've had periods where I was working on other things and wasn't as involved with the Guild, but I've been to probably 15 or 20 different uh, conventions, yeah. And what makes you keep coming back to the conventions? The people. The people you meet are incredible. Um, We've lost a few recently, Jacob Bimblich and uh, lost Jerry Kine of several years ago. People who, um, they leave an imprint on you and that's important. Uh, you know, we talk, I talked earlier about my legacy will be for the people I teach, but the only reason I'm able to teach is because I learned from some of the very best hypnotists in the world. Uh, and I have, I have wonderful friends when I go there as well. It gives us an opportunity to take one, you know, one weekend where we can see everyone catch up on how they're doing and learn new things. And the great thing is uh, the mind is not limited. Your imagination is not limited. Your ability to learn different techniques is not limited as well. And when you're not, you know, too proud to go and see someone do something and, and think, I could add that, I could change that, I could make it my own or or really use it and give them credit, obviously, it means that the clients you come to work with are gonna benefit as well. And to be honest with you, I'm selfish. I like to see my clients feel good. That makes me feel good, you know? Well, that's what makes you a good hypnotist. Yeah. I think, you, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head in the sense that um, folks uh, go to the National Guild of Hypnotists Convention and it doesn't matter where you are on the scale, either you're a brand new hypnotist or you've been doing it for a long time. It's, it's always important to either renew something that you've learned or find new things that you haven't learned. Sometimes you'll go and you'll watch a presentation. You say, well, I could change that a little bit, but you know what, what I'm doing is right. You verify for yourself that you're on the right path, which is always good as well. So you're presenting this year, you're doing uh, two courses. Yes. Can you tell us about those? All right. Well, as a teacher, 
Uh, one of the things that always concerned me was uh, I thought I was a good teacher, but I taught in a certain way. And I had other teachers who I also thought were very good, but they taught entirely differently from me. So what I did was I decided to work on a concept called hypnoparenting, where parents could prepare their children to be schoolproof. So no matter what the teacher did, the child would be able to learn teach them techniques where they, uh, they were not afraid to make mistakes, where they felt almost bulletproof, teach them memory techniques and things like that. Um, I asked you earlier about Millard Fillmore, the 13th president of the United States. Knowing who it is is not important. Knowing how to find out and to remember it is important. And to enjoy it, to find that one passion you have. One of the stories I, I tell in the book I wrote uh, is about um, what parents do when a child falls. We are by nature self-healing. If a child falls, they tend to, they'll hit the ground, they'll stand up and they'll look at their hands and brush off their hands against their shirt or whatever else, and they move on. What a parent will do is they'll run up to them and say, Bobby, are you all right? And that one action causes that falling down to have a negative impact on the child. But if they come to the child and they say, Bobby, that was so, so incredible. You fell down, you stood up. I'm so proud of you. What a strong kid you are. What are you emphasizing? You emphasize the ability to fall and stand up and learn from it, to take the negative things in life and turn them into something positive. If a child has that attitude when they go to school, they don't have to be afraid of what the teacher says to them or them being wrong. You know, um, that makes we, a lot of sense. Yeah, but, and that means also the game should be to see how you learn best and to take whatever the teacher does and change it to your modality of learning. By looking at it twice, you're able to memorize it more. And the skill you get is not to know that Millard Fulmore is the 13th president, but the skill you gain is how to learn no matter what, uh, no matter what approach a teacher takes with you. You essentially become schoolproof. That's one of the classes. The other class I'm teaching is uh, on the Simpson Protocol, which is uh, advanced hypnosis where you move the conscious mind aside and the hypnotist essentially guides the client to do their own work because I believe all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. If you have a knee replacement or a shoulder replacement, or anything like that, the body will occasionally reject something that's brought in. But if you're doing the work yourself, there's less chance of rejection, more willing to accept it. And by having the hypnotist with the Simpson protocol ask you questions that you can answer for yourself with a conscious mind to set aside, and the goal, the intention is to get you to release an issue or to feel better about your life, you're more willing to do it. And you also have the sense of empowerment that you're able to do it at the end. And that expectation carries on beyond that one individual session, that one individual issue. Those are the two classes I'll be teaching. Now, what would you say to somebody if they're kind of on the fence saying, well, I don't know if I, you know, if this is going to benefit me uh, to, to go to the, the convention, to, to go to the classes? Um, I mean, people say, well, whatever, it's, it's in August, it's, it's in the summer, so why should, why should they go? 
that one of the rules of the subconscious mind that Jerry uh, kind always talked about is expectations tend to be realized. If you go in with an expectation of learning something, your mind will fill that GPS. Your subconscious mind will get you to, to learning something new. If you go in with the expectation of uh, not learning something, congratulations, you'll, you'll be right. You won't learn anything. You have to create that expectation and have that desire to learn. And if the desire is strong enough, you will learn. You also have to have a, a destination you're going to reach. And Alice in Wonderland, Alice is walking down the path and uh, the Cheshire Cat's there. And she sees the Cheshire Cat, uh, she says, where does this road go? And the Cheshire Cat asks, where are you going? Alice says, I don't know. The Cheshire Cat says, if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. The road to Marlboro is the road to being a better hypnotist. The road to Marlboro is the road to learning more things about how to help your clients. If that's what you want, follow the road. Get to the destination. Good advice. I like the way you think. <laughs> well, thank you. I've probably been thinking for about 10 or 15 years. Unfortunately, I'm well into my 60s. So. <laughs> <laughs> so the rest of the time you were just hanging out? Is that what it was? Oh, man, that's it. It's terrible. <laughs> Well, I, this nice little short podcast that we have, and I appreciate you taking the time to, to chat with me. And and I actually I can't wait to see you and talk to you at, the, at this year's convention. Always good to see you, Eric. Take care and say hi to everybody at the, at the headquarters. Oh, I will. We'll keep them working. Okay, you take care. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Okay, bye-bye now. Thank you for listening to the Hypnosis NGH podcast. You're welcome to share your ideas for future podcasts by emailing us, nghpodcast at ngh.net.